and Talk. Hello and welcome to Grow Up and Talk. This is Alex and I get to be a pastor at Messiah Lutheran Church. And at Messiah, we're using a three-year Bible reading plan to read through the Bible in, well, three years. That's why they call it a three-year Bible reading plan. But the premise of this podcast is to grow up in our faith. And one of the best ways to do this is by talking about God's Word, the Bible, and... Uh, and, and reading it, too, because you got to read it first, and then you talk about it. So we're going to have a conversation about that today, and that's going to change our lives forever. And today, to go on this journey of forever changing our lives by growing up and talking is Mike Lang. Mike, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself in 10 seconds. Well, I've uh, been around Bernie for about 35 years and uh, started my Lutheran um Churched them in uh, in San Antonio with Redeemer, and then moved out to uh, to Messiah. We uh, joined Messiah, my wife and I, in I think '92 or '93 when we were still at the community center. So I've been around a while. I've held a lot of positions in the church, uh, mostly with the board of directors and the elders and the business side of things. I'm a business person here in town, and uh, enjoy being here in the hill country. All right. Well, Mike, uh, thank you for that. But that was 30 seconds, not 10. Um, <laughs> I counted. All right. But anyways, uh, Mike, it's a pleasure uh, and an honor to, to have you on the show. Uh, today, we're going to cover the readings in our plan from October 31st through November 6th. And we're going to focus on First Chronicles chapters 26 through 29. Is that what you have uh, for for your readings, Mike. Yes, I okay, did have that. Good. All right. I'm not crazy. Um, no. So let's do a quick overview of what's going on here in chapter 26 through 29 of First Chronicles. So divisions of the gatekeepers. Basically, uh, David continues preparing Solomon, his son, uh, preparing uh, people and, uh, to build the temple and to to. To, um, I guess, organize all of these different positions uh, to get ready for the, the temple that his son Solomon is supposed to build. And so he has to had, have gatekeepers because uh, we got to make sure that nobody goes in the temple who's not supposed to go in. And uh, he, um, in particular, um, has the Korahites as gatekeepers, as, as a group of people, a family that is going to be a part of the gatekeepers. And that's an interesting point that we'll come back to later. He also appoints treasurers to uh, organize the money and material goods that get dedicated to the Lord and his house and uh, all other kinds of things and to the Levites uh, when they go off to war and they, um, you know, gather stuff and and plunder honestly and they use that and dedicate most of it to the lord so they uh, he appoints people that will keep track of that so he's setting all of this up for his son solomon and then we get into military divisions uh, a rotation of military leaders who each have twenty-four thousand men and there are 12 groups of leaders who have 24,000 men that they lead and they rotate and they serve a uh, on their duty one month at a time. So there's 12 groups and each one serves a month. Sounds like a good deal to me. You, you serve one month and you get 11 months of vacation. That's amazing. Now, I'm sure they probably did other work during that time, but 
Um, that's what they tell us, at least in this uh, passage. So then there's leaders of the tribe, and uh, that just kind of explains, like, you know, who who are some the names of some of the leaders and that kind of thing. Uh, and then in 28, David kind of stands up before the people of Israel, and in 29, and gives uh, his last words, uh, kind of kind of a last charge to the people of Israel. He set all this stuff up. He's organized this. He's getting the preparations ready for his son Solomon to build the temple, and he's saying a word to the people. This is how it's going to be. And he says a word to his son. He says, "Son, obey God. Uh, do do be strong. Do good. Uh, do this task well." And then uh, they make an offering and they celebrate. Uh, he prays before the whole people of God, and Solomon is anointed king a second time, similar to David, who was anointed king twice. And then David dies, and that actually ends First Chronicles. So we finish First Chronicles today, which means something to us, um, you know, people in America, but actually Chronicles was originally written as one book, so... We haven't actually finished a book of the Bible, you know, in its original sense, but we'll say for our purposes and making us feel better that we are finishing a book of the Bible today, First Chronicles. All right, Mike, what stood out to you when you were reading these chapters? Well, when I started into the reading, um, 26 and 27, which just lays out the lineage of the gatekeepers and then the armies initially was uh, um, quite boring. <laughs> so having to work through the <laughs> names, um, it, uh, it was, it was tough getting through all the names. It was getting through. And of course you couldn't keep the, the players straight. I guess you, I need a program to, uh, to write that down and write down a schematic of, of who was under who and who was with who. Uh, the thing that impressed me the most, or I was most taken with um was the size of the armies mm. um, with, with, with 12 leaders having 24,000 men apiece. Um, that's 288,000 men. And I was interested to see how, how does that compare to the United States today? Oh, so wow. okay. I went online and, and just wanted to see. Um, and oddly enough, and I say, I shouldn't say oddly, but our regular army hmm. um, at, 2017, which is the latest count they, that, that I came up with, was only 467,000 strong. Oh, wow. Um, our Navy, 337,000 strong. Okay. Of course, our, you know, overall military, uh, you know, if you put all the men together and if you add all of the of the areas of the Army, including reserves, National Guard, et cetera, the Army itself is over a million, and then the, the Navy uh, that that's a pretty good number for them. But you look at the size of our country versus the size of the nation of Israel at the time, which wasn't a geographic nation. It was a people's yeah. nation, but um, the, uh, the size and strength of their uh, forces are, was, was quite amazing. And I yeah. guess maybe that's where part of this um, plunder came from. Cause I was also taken aback by when you get into um, chapter 28 and 29, when David is laying out um, all of the the things he's going to provide out of his treasury, um, the cubits of gold, the cubits of silver, the stones, etc., um, it was a it was a it was thousands and thousands of talents of each of those, oh, yeah. and yeah. and that had to come from somewhere, and they were just coming yeah. out of exile. 
So, you know, they had, it's not like they were out, um, you know, doing their own thing and taking over countries and plundering, as you put it a while ago. So obviously, as they were coming out of exile and going through the countries they were going through or, or the nation areas, um, they were probably doing some some um, doing some overwhelming and taking <laughs> of, of treasures. Yeah. So that's one, kind of amazing. Yeah. One interesting thing that was um, that that I found was uh, in chapter 28, verse 19, where it says that the the. Uh, David says, all this he made clear to me, or to the Lord made clear to me in writing um, all the work to be done according to this plan. And this is the plan of the temple, like the blueprint, the plans yes. of the temple. Mm-hmm. And he's, mm-hmm. a sense, in a sense, equating the plans of the temple to the tablets of stone that Moses received from God. By saying this kind of a thing, all this I received in writing from the Lord. So he's he's saying this is divinely inspired, just like the law of God that we yeah. read, that we study, that we uh, make a central part of our lives as as God's people. And um, that was interesting to me is that the temple was divinely inspired. God said, "You are going to do this." Um, and the other interesting thing to me was that David was we talked about uh, I talked about this in the last episode with uh, my friend Nick the, the interesting thing to me was that David was so humble that he just he obeys God and he hands over the plans to Solomon after he prepares as much as he possibly can he just hands over the plans and he says it's yours now and Solomon sits on the throne um, it gets anointed again and sits on the throne. And so it's it's kind of David's last act um, of stewardship, I think, is preparing all these people and organizing all these things, setting this up for his son Solomon, who's really young and inexperienced at the time of assuming the, the kingship. And David ruled for 40 years total. And um, yeah, that's, but yet he was a humble king, especially at the end of his life. Um, he had a, an attitude of repentance, an attitude of obedience and humility, especially as he hands over the plans to his son. Yeah, yeah I would agree with that, and even to the point of recognizing the fact that he, you know, he's going to turn over the the fame and glory. I shouldn't say fame and glory, but mm-hmm. but this was a thing they've been striving for for a long time to rebuild the temple this was obviously the focus and the centerpiece of their of their worship and for someone to do this would be a a great honor for him to achieve that and uh and he is stepping back from that saying this is god said it's not my honor i'm therefore i'm obeying god and and turning that honor over to the one that he has dictated that will have that honor so you're right he stepped down away from from uh, yeah. something would give a lot of um, notoriety to him, and and uh, that's something we don't we don't see too much in our day and time, right? Especially oh, yeah. in one portion of our country. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So one other thing that stood out to me that was you know could be concerning for readers as well, uh, but I think this was talked about in a a previous episode of Second Samuel, which kind of. Uh, parallels a lot of the stuff that is written in Chronicles. Second Samuel is is I I 
I think Second Samuel was written more more closely to the time of of the the th- the events that happened in it, and Chronicles kind of reviews the history um, of David and and the kingship and Solomon and that kind of thing for the people who are returning back to kind of give them hope as they're about to rebuild the temple and and everything. Uh, but in the in the time in the stories and the history that they're recounting, at least uh, it talks about this event where um, uh, earlier in Chronicles, where David wanted to have a census of the people, and and God did not want him to do this because he was kind of trying to count God's people in number for the sake of I guess puffing puffing himself up, like having pride about his military might and strength. And mm-hmm. there's actually, um, I think in chapter, I don't know where it happens, but somewhere in here, um, he, I think somebody's about to take a census and then David stops that person from taking the census. Oh, oh yeah. No, it says, uh, in, in 27 in 27 in the section called leaders of the tribes in verse 23, it says, David did not count those below 20 years of age for the Lord promised to make Israel as many as the stars of heaven. So he's counting the people who are leaders of the tribe of Israel, uh, 20 years and above, but no one below that, because in a way he's saying, God, I trust you to continue the lineage of our people. God, I trust you um, to keep your people and protect them and provide for them forever. And uh, But then somebody else began to count uh, and did not, d- did not finish, and God's wrath came upon Israel for this. Um, so there is an event earlier on that happens where David does try to do a census, but here is a different story where David um, counts the leaders but doesn't count, you know, the younger people because he's mm-hmm. trusting God with that. So it's actually a, a, a turnaround for David because before he was so concerned about his military might and his power, and here he's just saying, God, I trust you. God, I hand yeah. the future and the future foundations and generations over to you. I've done what I can. The rest is in your hands, God. So <laughs> we, we need to emulate that <laughs> in all things. Yeah. Was there anything that was concerning or confusing for you or anything that gave you hope? Uh, you know, concerning, no, not really, or okay. confusing, because yeah. it's fairly straightforward. Yeah. Um, really, it's it's uh, laying, laying out you know, what was occurring at the time. Um the, th- the thing I think from a hope standpoint, um, it may not be a proper analogy, but, you know, the the people of Israel had just come out of exile for being disobedient, for worshiping false idols, for doing not following, you know, basically God's laws. Um, they were turning away from God and he sent them out. Now they're coming back. And I think at this point they understand that and are doing their best to follow God's edicts specifically as it relates to the building of the temple. And I guess for us, you know, they were 500 years before Christ is going to come along. Um, for us, we have Jesus' promise of, uh, you know, our, our salvation through faith in him. But um, without good works and without works, faith is dead. Yeah. Um, we can show that same faith they were showing to God in the building of the temple and in, in, uh, in following Jesus edicts of having no other God before 
for his father and loving our neighbor as ourselves and doing the things that need to be done and um you know for our for our neighbors and uh there's plenty plenty to be done in this day and time yeah amen preach it brother preach it <laughs> that's my phrase on this show whenever somebody says something inspirational like that ah, okay um but uh yeah no i think this really this the chronicles give uh kind of recount the history of the people of Israel and the first building of the temple and and how that all happened and everything and just kind of give them inspiration and hope as they are you know as they're reading this history they've returned from exile and they're reading this history that's happened uh, years before them David Solomon the kings all that and they're saying they're being inspired just like you inspired me just now and all of us to go out and do the work that we need to do. Um, so God is, is very much, I think we can gather inspiration from those who have gone before us and um, use that to drive us forward for sure. Um, one other thing that gave me hope was the Korahites. I said I was going to mention this later, and uh, now it's later. So uh, I'm going to mention the Korahites, which is at the very beginning of chapter 26. The thing that gives me hope about this is that these are descendants of a guy named Korah. And Korah was a guy who rebelled against the leadership of Moses back in the days of Moses leading the people of Israel in the Exodus and the wilderness before they entered the promised land. Now, the Korahites the descendants of Korah ended up being people who kept the gate and protected the house of God. Um, so they're going to end up doing this in the time of David, and then after the Israelites return back um, from exile, they're going to do this for the second temple as well. And that, to me, gives me great hope because God continued to work through this family of people, even though there was this... Uh, kind of dark spot on their family uh, from their ancestor, Korah, who rebelled against Moses, one of the greatest leaders of Israel, um, the first leader of Israel, really, and, um, yeah, the greatest prophet until Jesus came. So that gives me hope in that God uh, can use anybody. He continues to forgive and be merciful and um, for generation after generation. So uh, is there anything else that stood out to you, Mike, that you want to talk about before we go on our break? I think we've kind of covered everything All right. so far. He said it, folks. We've covered everything. <laughs> so no break today. This is the end of the show. I'm just kidding. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to Grow Up and Talk. We hope you had a restful break. Uh, I know it was extremely long, and you probably got a quick cat nap in, and now you're energized and ready to go. But that's how I feel when I'm talking about God's Word with Mike Lang, which is a reminder that you don't have to do personal quiet time with God. Um, you know, I, that, that, that's a good thing. If that works for you, that's great. But one of the best ways to study God's Word is to do it together. 
and that's what we're doing today. So, Mike, we've talked about a lot of things about uh, the end of First Chronicles. How do you see this uh, section of Scripture having importance to our lives today? Well, the thing that struck me uh, that could equate to where we find ourselves today is that at the uh, at the middle of twenty nine, towards the end of the of the uh, of the chapters, after David had given what he was giving uh, out of the out of the storehouses that had been provided to him as king, then he asked the leaders uh, of the tribes to step up and give as well. And as it says in, in, in verse 6, chapter 29, verse 6, then the heads of the elders, the fathers, uh, made their freewill offerings, as did the leaders of the tribes, the commanders mm. of thousands and the hundreds. And it goes on, and they gave for the service of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 dairies of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, and it goes on and on into what they gave. Yeah. Um, you know, they stepped up and gave to the Lord what they, what they had. Yep. And we are asked to do the same thing uh, today. To we have, we have our neighbors out there uh, who are in need, and we're asked to give of our time and talents um, to those in need, and in our in our funds as well. Uh, mm-hmm. All the gifts that God has given to us, and uh, as we uh, said earlier in the program, I don't equate that our giving is our route to salvation. Although at the time, that's what they believed was going to save them, uh, and, it, and it showed their faith in God, which, as we know, Abraham was accredited righteousness through his faith, and so they're thinking the same thing. We yeah. we have faith that we're told uh, Jesus has already given us that, that salvation, mm-hmm. and our faith in him is what does that. But at the same time, as I said, he, he tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves mm-hmm. and to, to give to our neighbors what they're in need of. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I believe that... Um, by, by showing that faith in uh, the fact that whatever we have, we can give to the Lord and he'll replace it, uh, you know, give hilariously and, and see give how the Lord hilariously. That's see awesome. How Lord, <laughs> see how the Lord will replace all you that just, you've given. You just mentioned the original meaning of the Greek word. It's hilarious. When, when, uh, oh man, what is it? Um, in the new Testament, it is, um, Ah oh, man, what does he what does he say? Give out of the give give with your heart. Like Paul says something like you know give give uh, freely out, uh, uh, out of your heart. Let me look it up real quick. Do you remember that verse that I'm talking about? No, I won't be able to cite chapter and verse. I'm okay. Well, do you remember where it was? Kind of what the verse, the uh, verse and chapter was. I probably wouldn't be able to do that. All right, let me see. Let me see what but I we're can... just told that whatever we can give, God can kind of can refill our hand quicker than we can dump it out. All right, I I just googled giving Paul verse. So, just a tip for all you Bible uh, listeners out there: Google is a great tool. <laughs> all right, First Corinthians or Second Corinthians eight. It says. Um, Oh my, the IVP New Testament. I don't know what the oh InterVarsity Press. Okay. Um, ooh. Okay. Here we go. Um. Let's see what I um. Oh, God loves a cheerful giver. There it is. God loves a cheerful giver. That's what it was. That's what I was thinking about. Um. Each of you should give. This is first. Uh, Second Corinthians chapter nine. 
verses 7. Actually, verse... Oh, here, I'll read verses 7 through 8, okay? Of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. You shouldn't give if you don't want to. You shouldn't give because you are forced to. God loves a cheerful giver. Actually, that's the New International Reader's Version, but you get the idea. God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to shower all kinds of blessings on you. So in all things and at all times, you will have everything you need. Um, You will do more and more good works. So it's kind of what you were saying, Mike, but, but the verse I was thinking about that you reminded me of was God loves a cheerful giver, and the original Greek word translates into the word hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. And and there's a version that uses that word. I've seen oh, really? it. I can't okay. tell you which so, one it is. But, okay, so that's where you but, got that from. But but yes, that is actually closer to the original meaning. And I forget what's kind of meant by that, but it just means like hilariously, like extravagantly, like you know, crazily, give give abundantly. Yes, you crazily. Know? Crazily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh yeah, that that was awesome. Hilariously. Give hilariously, everybody. Be hilarious. Um, you were supposed to laugh at that, Mike. <laughs> All right. Anyways. Uh, but With a hilarious laugh. Hilarious laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, uh, I, I like the application that you mentioned of having importance to our lives today. It says in verse 9 of 29 that they gave freely with their whole heart. And I also think uh, the overall importance, too. One, one thing I found interesting was in Verse 2 of 28, it says, Then King David rose to his feet and said, So it, it, it seems to me that David is at the end of his life, and, and, and the chronicle, chronicler, the author of this book, is also kind of, you know, implying that because he's, um, you know, about to die at the end of the book. and um, But, you know, he he puts in that important detail. He rose to his feet. It's necessary that he says that because you kind of imagine an old man um, rising to his feet. So, it you know, it takes a little bit more effort. So he had to actually say that because, you know, David is is rising to his feet to say his last uh, thing to the people. And I think uh, the thing that that struck me the most in his speech that he gives to all Israel is is. that David said, God said to me, it is Solomon, your son, who shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever. I will establish his kingdom forever. So this is why David was able to hand over the plans to Solomon and give it all up. Give it all up. Um, And this is why People gave freely out of the abundance of their hearts because they trusted God and David trusted the word of God, the promise of God that he was going to keep his family reigning forever. So David believed in that promise of God so much that he didn't feel like he had to try to control the building of the temple, but instead could hand over this big project that he thought was going to be his his baby, his thing, to his who, to his son, um, who was inexperienced, and he could have easily said, uh, no, you can't do this. But he sets him up for success. He does the best he can to serve him, and he says, here it is. Here it is, Lord. Take it. 
This is what I have left to give in my life to you, Lord. And everyone else gives what they can give. And he trusts God um, with the reigning of his family forever. So, in other words, care about the future. But don't be so controlling about that. Trust God and um, follow him. That's what I have to say about that. Amen. 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 All right. So, aside from trusting God with the future and... um, That future might be hilarious or tragic. Who knows? Uh, But in the end, Jesus will return, and that is going to be awesome. So let's end with a random question. And, Mike, I I did tell you that you would not know what this question was. Are you ready? I'm ready. Would you rather live permanently in a roller coaster park or in a zoo? Well, I think I'd rather live permanently in a zoo. Okay. Why is that? Well, you'd have a lot more variety. Um, there'd be animals to care for, and, and uh, like I said, there'd be more to, more to do in my mind of caring for the animals and, and seeing the difference in, in each of them. And um, roller coaster park, on the other hand, yeah, it, there's some ups and downs, and our lives are kind of like that anyway. Uh, but uh, you'd be doing the same thing all the time. So I just uh, feel like a zoo would be, I, I guess I'd made a good, good crewman on, on the ark. Yeah, there you go. In another lifetime, Mike, you could, another have, been, lifetime. You could have been a worker on the ark. Actually, you would have had to have been in Noah's family if you were going to be on the ark and a human. True. So maybe in another lifetime, you would have been a rhinoceros. Better, rather been a crewman. Rather been a, a crewman. Maybe a bird. Like a well, pigeon carrier? They carry letters. <laughs> well, I'd rather be one of God's children children than, than the animals. Uh, there will probably be animals in heaven, but not been there yet to see that, not for sure. So I'm going to go with a, with a bet that being a, a child of God, I get to be there. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, you know what I would choose. Do I don't. Know? Really? No. Take a guess. You want the roller coaster? I want the roller coaster. Okay. And I'm gonna. And I, I'm very much the person who could do the same thing over and over and over again. Now, ah. eventually, I might get bored. Okay, that's fair. But, but, I could always learn how to build and rebuild the roller coasters so that it could be this never-ending project that I always, gotcha. you know, make new coasters and try to rearrange the coasters that have been built and uh yeah and i would just invite all the people and and try to make it the best theme park in the world actually i couldn't do that i can't compare with disney world but (laughs) if that counts as a roller coaster park i'm going to disney world well i think this too shall pass for you at some point Um, (laughs) wanting to go to a roller coaster park uh to do it over and over again over and over again yeah with uh, dax's four yeah yeah um yeah when we get to um um, swimming um swinging you know it's it's again dad again oh yeah again dad again i don't like doing that over and over again again. dad again yeah when jack's (laughs) asked me to read the story the for the fourth time i'm like yes again uh, okay four is enough (laughs) it's like a roller coaster ride yeah yeah well like a roller coaster maybe but the roller coaster i don't have to do anything i just sit Uh, there you're just sitting i just sit there Okay. And I would hire one of your monkeys or animals or gorillas ah. 
to be the operators of the roller coaster. Okay. So okay. you would have a zoo and next to my <laughs> roller coaster park, okay. and we could work together. That's what makes the world go around. We're all different. Amen. Amen all right. Hey, Mike, thanks for being on the show with us today and talking about God's Word and a, a little bit of some hilarious stuff. Uh, remember, give hilariously. Um, if you want to email any questions or give us some feedback, whether it's hilarious or not, go to grow up and talk podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, once again, it's been a pleasure, Mike. Thanks for being thank, on the show. Well, thank you for having me, Pastor Alex. I enjoyed it. I did too. All right. We'll see you next time, everyone. Peace. Thank you. <laughs>